Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Hello and welcome to episode 185 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the second episode of September 2016, and our Daikaiju discussion for Toei's semi-kaiju movie, I guess that's what I'm saying about it, Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds from 1977. Joining me for this discussion episode, we have here in the studio, Brian Cook. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, and Rachel Cook. Hello there. I'm so glad you guys are here to watch this film with me. Uh, We do have the movie to talk about, and we did get some homework sent in from the listeners. We are going to have some news later and some catastrophic events to cover, but of course, right now, we are going to start things off with some music. We're going to start that off with the Garamones Ultra 7 theme, which was a request from Michael. Nice.
that sounded like porn music. Well, Brian, <laughs> you might not be that far off uh, because we started things out, like I said, with the Ultra 7 song from the Garamones, and then we followed that up with the uh, main theme from Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds by Masao Yagi, which I must say, very, very... <laughs> funky soundtrack to this movie, uh, which, of course, once again brings us class to our Daikaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju cast takes a look at one film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. This month, we are talking about a 1977 film from Toei. Now, are you guys familiar with Toei, the motion mm-hmm. picture studio in Japan? The, yes. I'm afraid that most people out there who are listening to the show are not going to be familiar with it. Some of them are, of course, but they haven't really made a lot of giant monster movies. So what do you know from Toei? Um, their animation work. Uh, they released yes. some of Miyazaki's first movies before Studio Ghibli got off the ground. I believe they also did Message in Space. They did... Uh, I might be wrong about that, but the Vic Murrow, Sonny Chiba, Star Wars. Oh, yeah, knockoff, yeah, yeah. Is that like War in Space or Message in Space or I don't know. Warning yeah. from There's, Beyond Space of Messages, something There's like that. Yeah. Like three movies that are Star Wars ripoffs that all have that <laughs> name, basically. <laughs> yeah, so Toei has never made any of the. I mean, we haven't ever watched a Toei movie here, I think. I think this, yeah. is, this is going to be our first. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't know very much about this movie. I know I. I tried to do a tiny bit of research beforehand, but I, I've never actually really watched this film. It's always been something that, like, if I watch it, it's been put on in the background, and I'm doing something else, so I'm not mm-hmm. paying attention yeah. to it as much as I should. However, for the parents out there, uh, hopefully you are aware that there is a little bit of TNA in this movie. Oh. So just, you know, be be aware. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Don't be surprised <laughs> if all of a sudden something happens. So hmm. hence the music. Yeah, and hence the reference. That? So. Okay. <laughs> Don't be afraid, bow, Rachel. Chicka, bow, bow. I think it's just one scene oh. that lasts the entire movie. Oh, you know oh I mean. yeah. No. Oh. Anyway, we are going to go watch that movie and we're going to come back for the discussion. Brace yourself for an epic extravaganza where dinosaurs rule the land. Is this the prehistoric era? 12 million years BC? No, it's modern day Mount Fuji, where the residents of this volcanic territory have literally had their lives turned upside down by the latest wave of tourists from the Stone Age. Can anyone halt these pushy pterodactyls from their relentless reign of pillage and destruction? Witness the incredible Legend of the Dinosaur. All right, so we just got finished watching Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds, and I have to say uh, I had never really seen this movie before all the way through. This is the first time I'd sat down and watched it. What about you guys? Same here. First time, uh, yeah, seeing it. I I don't even know that I had heard of it until it came up on the list. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And Brian, how about you, man? Well, I didn't think I had seen it, but after we were in the movie a little bit, I realized it was a Mystery Science Theater episode. It's actually the final KTMA episode. So I had seen it, and it it all came flooding back to me there. (laughs) When you saw that uh, adorable red-headed cowboy man, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Akio, the entertaining man at the lake. All right, so uh, just for a brief first thoughts, what did you think, Rachel? 
Um, I, wow, it's, I feel like I'm still kind of wrapping my head around everything that happened. Um, it, it was more gory than I expected. Um, and that was shocking, but a lot of it was so loosely put together and bizarre, um, that, yeah, I, I think I had fun watching it mainly because I was with fun company, mm-hmm. but the movie itself, it's a, it's kind of a rough watch. Yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, let's be all honest here. This is actually one of the more, I guess technically it's the show era, you know, but mm-hmm. this is one of the later films in the show era. And I don't know, I don't really, there's not really a lot to compare it to because A, it's from Toei, it's not mm-hmm. from Toho, and B, there are, were no kaiju films happening right at that time. You know, as far as we are concerned, the last Godzilla movie from that era was 1975's Terror of Mechagodzilla. Uh, there's still several years before Gamera Super Monster gets released by Daie as their last ditch effort to try and like get out of the red. Yeah. So what, what year is Daigoro versus Goliath? I think that might be like post 75, although that doesn't fully count. Uh, actually, Daigoro versus Goliath or Goliath or. Goria. It was 1971. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm way off. That's okay. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, this is this is a weird one. Mm-hmm. Brian, now that you remember seeing it, mm-hmm. the memories have flooded back to you. <laughs> How did you feel about seeing it without the MST3K guys? Um, it was actually a better movie than the American dubbed version, which is what Mystery Science Theory used. I don't remember it being such a ripoff of Jaws. When I watched it on KT on the Mystery Science Theater, but uh, yeah, it was it was a bit rough. But overall, like, what did you guys think of this? Rachel seeing it the first time, Brian seeing it somewhat the first time. Yeah, uh, is is not that good. It's not that good. <laughs> it's not that good. So yeah, so my first full time watching this movie. I think I had acquired it several years ago, and I was like, oh yeah, I should check this out, but. With me, if I'm not super into watching a movie, if I start watching something, it means I'm going to start doing other things like, you know, editing podcasts or working on show notes or, you know, actual drawing stuff, whatever I do. It doesn't matter. But the deal is that I had sort of seen some of this in the background, which is how I knew that there was a TNA moment, you know, Mm -hmm. which was odd to see. Yeah. So would you consider this a kaiju film? First question. Ooh, interesting. Uh, I think it has a lot of kaiju elements to it, but I think it's as much a kaiju film as Troll Hunter is. I think that it's just like it's got the giant monsters, but the monsters are at least in some shots don't appear that giant. Like it doesn't seem like Godzilla level giant. Mm-hmm. Um but it it does have a lot of similarities as far as like I, I don't know the um when the dinosaur is in the water and his head's coming up out of the water, that's mm-hmm. very Godzilla-like, and um, like the claws grabbing the people and stuff, and them, you know, that he's reminded got, me a lot of old school American. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, sure. totally. That's and a lot of it is like kind of King Kong style, um, and like the uh, when um, 
the dinosaur has the person in his mouth and stuff and is hanging it around. Like, yeah, I guess that is. It feels more American than it does Japanese monster movie to me. All right. Interesting in you some should say ways. that. Interesting you should say that because I felt like this movie, while they full on say the word kaiju several times in the film, you know, it's less of a giant monster movie and more of just a uh, almost like a thriller horror movie mm-hmm. because a people are literally being terrorized and yeah. then also eviscerated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on the other side of it, it's also like there's this whole mystery thing, like what's happening, what's mm-hmm. down at the bottom of this lake. It reminds me much more of a movie like you know, not to not to just take a stab in the dark, but what I imagine. Placid, uh, Lake Placid would almost be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I think I have actually seen Lake Placid, which was an awesome film. It's is the that alligator the alligator movie? Yeah. Yeah. Cr- like the Crater Lake Monster. Like that's an old one, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Lake Placid <laughs> is a newer film with Betty White in it, right? I think. <laughs> newer, but like 90s. Yeah, so. 90s. Yeah, yeah. I think cra- the Crater Lake Monster was in this, you know, that was much before, longer yeah. time ago. I'm not going to go look it up right now. There's no need. We're not talking about the Crater Lake Monster. We're talking about. Legends of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds, it doesn't come across like a kaiju film. There's not like reverence for these Mm -hmm. creatures. They are literally dinosaurs. And boring old dinosaurs. Kaiju movie kind of also means, you know, monsters, the the whole wrestling aspect, the whole fighting aspect. Yeah, a little bit, right? There really really isn't, there is a fight, but it's not. (laughs) It's not (laughs) not the same. Not a worthy of the term kaiju fight. Yeah, for sure. Right. Very much Flintstonian. Monsters, yeah. Yeah. Now, this film reminded us, uh, in fact, I specifically knew I wanted to talk about this beforehand because this film came out in 77. And there's a movie we like to bring up, or there's a movie Jeff and Brian like to bring up all the time, which I always just kind of expect is going to happen. So I know we've got to talk about (laughs) the shark movie. Yes. Yeah. So this movie came out in 77. When did Jaws come out in America? Jaws was 1975. 1975. So... Definitely enough time for Japan to see that phenomenon oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and basically rip it off, right? Like, oh, this totally. was totally a Jaws ripoff. There's at least, like, three moments in the film that are full-on Jaws ripoffs. Yeah, so. definitely. So, like, there's the the spot where the uh, they're, they're at this lake and they're having a celebration and the, the locals are saying, oh, we can't stop the celebration. Yeah. This is what's bringing in our tourists, right? Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and then the uh, they're putting up the signs the and so signage. forth. They've got yeah. the helicopters. Everybody's mm-hmm. like searching for, you know, essentially <laughs> this Lake yeah. mon- the Loch Ness monster. You know, yeah, uh, they've got the people that were killed in the water, and you just see like their stuff floating in afterwards, and yes. other people are freaking yeah. out. And and then there's like the the people with the fake Jaws fin. I mean, it's not yeah. a Jaws fin, oh, yeah, it, like yeah, a yeah. shark fin, but it's like the monster fin. fin, you know, that they reveal is was just guys mess around. So there's there's so many elements that pop up that are very yeah drawn from <laughs> they Jaws, were borrowing very specific moments. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't mind, you know, yeah. And yeah. this wouldn't be the first movie to rip off another movie. So yeah. it's, it's mm-hmm. all good. But honestly, the, the, the whole aspect of telling this story using the, the plot devices and the, I guess the structure, they don't really seem like they're kaiju connected to me. Yeah. 
What I will say is that as a standalone movie, even though this isn't a very good film, it was entertaining as hell to watch, Mm -hmm. especially like you said, Rachel, with my friends here where we Mm -hmm. could, you know – Rip on it a little bit, totally, you know, yeah. to yeah. Uh, to enhance our viewing experience. I guess I'll say, yeah, it was very fun in that regard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, what are some of the aspects of this movie that you guys liked? Mainly just because of it was funny, but the soundtrack was just so like <laughs> off-putting and bizarre that, as in, just like why are they using this song for this scene? Like it was very go-go seventies, um, and a lot of it, a lot of it felt like James Bond music, and I thought it was funny just to see how they'd use it. Like um, I would, I wouldn't say that it was a good idea, but. Uh, I I got a kick out of it. The soundtrack does remind me. Okay, so the uh, the score was written by Masao Yagi, and I'm not familiar with his work, but it sounded to me a lot like Richiro Manabe's stuff from like not so much Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, but more like Godzilla vs. Megalon. There's sort of that mm-hmm. kind of like totally. jazzy stuff going on, a little funky esque aspects yeah. of it. Funky guitar stuff, yeah. And mm-hmm. like all throughout the movie, I will say that there were times where I was like, wow, what a weird choice for a song, like this particular song to be right here. But nothing I have ever seen has made me question a decision on on soundtrack stuff like the final freaking scene in this movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. So if you have not seen it and you want to watch this movie... <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it for you, right? So that's probably one of the only things I'm not going to spoil for you on, in this uh, discussion. But it's definitely worth at least seeing the last scene so you can see what we're talking about. Because mm-hmm. under the word mismatch in the dictionary, it's probably got <laughs> yeah. a photo, a screenshot from that scene. It's ridiculous. Bizarre. It's yeah. Very strange. Yeah. yeah. Which then pipes into a very weird ending, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you, man? What did you like about it? Uh, Wait, so you liked the soundtrack? I liked it because I, I just was, it, it was a constant source of just kind of entertainment as okay. far as just, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're playing this song right now. Like this just doesn't, especially it, since it ends on such a mismatch, you go, okay. <laughs> I guess that's yeah, it. Yeah. All right. Brian? Uh, I did love that it was kind of a Jaws, a Japanese Jaws ripoff. Uh, I wasn't expecting that, and I didn't didn't remember it from watching it on Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, kind of funny to see all those different Jaws <laughs> references pop up. And yeah, very, very cool. And it had a cute dog. Oh my gosh, I that can't believe I forgot to mention the dog. Yeah. Oh, I love that dog. Would you like to change oh, your answer? Oh, so cute. I want to change my answer, please. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is my final answer. That's an old reference. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Kuma, Kuma the dog. Kuma the dog. I love Kuma the, the dog. Super adorable. Really I was really nervous dog, for his yes. life many times. Caused some good drama. Yeah. Um, he was not a big fan of the boat, it seemed, but he also was angry when he wasn't on the boat. I so. just want, like, Rachel's impression of this movie to just be like, the dog was the main character, and you get to see right. the story told through exactly. not the eyes of the dog, but this 
events surrounding the dog. Yeah. And then when the dog's not on screen or the dog's not directly involved with the actual mm-hmm. anything that's happening mm-hmm. in the movie, it's just a basic, that's where you went to the bathroom, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. But seriously, uh, so Rachel, you love the dog. Yes. The Jaws homages. The, giant, the Jaws homages. Uh, I honestly don't know what I would say that I loved most about this movie. I think honestly, it's just the wackiness of it. Right. Yeah. So like when I think of, um, when I think of the movies, the Godzilla movies specifically, but also the Gamera movies from the seventies, there is a sort of cheesiness, like in terms of the editing style, the, uh, story choices, basically the entire production, right? Everything mm-hmm. about these productions in the seventies is very unique, right? If you watch a movie from the seventies, you don't go, is this from the sixties? It's pretty (laughs) obvious, you know, from the soundtracks to the look of the film, the clothes people are wearing. This thing was just straight out of the Mm seventies. And I think that's sort of what I liked most about it is that it is a snapshot of a crazy time in Japan that I don't normally get to see very much because I typically don't watch movies from this era. But having said that, there are definitely a lot of things in this movie that I did not care for. And uh, I'll just go ahead and start things off with saying the soundtrack is actually the thing I cared for the least. <laughs> While it's funny and it and it adds like uh, a level of quirkiness, cheesiness to the film, you know, a lot of times I haven't said in a while, but I say, what would what would you change in this film? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The first thing at the top of my list would be the score. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's yeah. It complete. How many times in this film <laughs> did that music enhance the drama? Yeah. I'm guessing zero. Yeah. <laughs> it know? takes you out of the movie. If anything, really, you know? totally, yeah. right. So like yeah. jaws has it. And actually I'm going to say something about jaws too. Jaws has a couple of moments where I think the music is a little, off track as well. I what I agree too. What what speci- specifically the very ending where he's like in the crow's nest, right, right, yeah, and like he, heroic music. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's almost like adventurous. And I'm it's like, where's, where's, where's the tension? You know, John yeah. Williams. I'm looking at you. <laughs> there's another- John Williams listens to the podcast. I'm oh, sure. I, <laughs> I think he does. Yeah. yeah, there's another moment in Jaws where a bunch of tourists are coming onto the island. It's like this really peppy, upbeat music. It's totally, completely <laughs> out of place. But-, but, but you know, in terms of like what I would change, definitely soundtracks and the number yeah. one thing. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't have to be your definition of your least favorite thing. What what would you say yours is? Oh, least favorite thing. I'm I'm gonna go just none of the characters I really felt connected to. Okay, they're not, just not cowboy. <laughs> I mean, cowboy's great. Which one though? I mean, he had multiple cowboys to choose from. Yeah, the hero but, uh, wasn't yeah. very likable, was I he? I mean, n- no, like it just there wasn't anybody that I felt like. Oh, that was a really well-written character and had good dialogue and just really solid. Just none of them really connected with me. And I guess the writing overall was just not very thought out. Like it just didn't always make a lot of sense. Everything that was playing out. I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's my biggest uh, flaw with it. Yeah. Yeah. Brian. Yeah. Uh, Those suits were terrible. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, can we talk can about you? those for a yeah. second? So yeah. the suits, you said suits. Clearly, they are puppets, right? Very like bad puppets. Very now, rubbery looking puppets. Did, did you think anybody was in any of those suits at any point? 
I don't think so. I don't think there was ever an actor inside that. Definitely the the monster bird was definitely on strings. Um, yeah. And as far as think. the Presiosaur, I'm just gonna say that <laughs> it was what. I'm just gonna huh? say that, that there may have been a dude in a suit. That was like anchoring it to the floor, you yeah, know, yeah. just in the body. But there, I mean, that neck was super skinny, oh, yeah. definitely mm-hmm. a puppet, you know. So I, I consider this to be a puppet. But that doesn't exclude it from being a kaiju movie. True. So that's, yeah, there you but, go. <laughs> but but it was lousy. <laughs> they were lousy. Yeah. They were totally, um, you know, I could see someone making the uh, the flying dinosaur, the ter- tyrannosaurus dactyl donny thing you know right Mm -hmm. and then looking at it in the production office or you know the warehouse where they're building it and saying that looks good man sure yeah i really can't imagine them saying that for the plesiosaur because that thing looked ridiculous yeah really ridiculous you know like what was up with the seaweed on top of his head? Yeah. I don't know. And like, and the amount of times they used it in rear screen projection, and it looked so bad. Yeah, yeah. It looked so bad. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot that could be said for this movie in terms of improving it, but I, I mean, clearly we're talking about a movie from 1977. I don't yeah. think anybody's going to be remaking Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds anytime soon. No one's going to go back and digitally alter scenes. <laughs> <laughs> the special edition now available for five million yen. No, I don't think so, man. In fact, you know the the studio Toei, which is known the world over for its television and you know its animated shows, its hero shows, stuff like that. I don't think that I would be interested in seeing any other films that they did. Just in the general time frame, I know yeah. that's not that's a horrible statement to make. You know, I'm painting one studio badly from one movie. That's not what you're supposed to do. But man, like this is a well, movie. You're not, not inspired to go out and find more. No, yeah. definitely not. This and like, mm-hmm. I just think that this is not their best foot forward. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So seeing a movie like this makes me go, Toei. I don't know if I need to go back to that well. But yeah. you know, hopefully there's some other good movies that have come out of that studio that I would be interested in seeing. I know I've got to have seen other Toei movies, or at least I know I've seen ones that have been distributed by Toei in Mm -hmm. the past. Anyway, uh, I think this is a good point for us to do sort of a wrap up. Like Mm -hmm. overall, what do you think, Rachel? Would you show this to a Kaiju newbie? Or if the answer is no, which I'm guessing it's no for all of us, who would you show this film to? Gosh, I was just going to say, I don't know that I'd show it to anybody. I I guess only if people, it's like, it, kind of like you said that you'd only really thrown it on in the background. Yeah. It is maybe a good movie to just put on in the background if you're just having, you know, dinner with your friends or you just, you know, or it's good to fall asleep to movies that, you know. Maybe, but there's a lot of screaming I don't know, I guess true. And there is a lot of, yeah, and. I would not recommend it really. Just okay. In general. That's just yeah. a hard pass. Yeah. <laughs> That's a real yeah. hard no. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you, Ben? Yeah, this is for completionists only. This sure, is, sure. Uh, it is not worth seeking out, but it is is fun to watch in a group setting for yeah. sure. I would even go so far as to say you don't even need to have this movie in your collection if you're a completist. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, if you want to put this in perspective, 
I've been a kaiju fan, a hardcore kaiju fan, ever since the late 90s. And this is the first time I've ever sat down to watch this film in its entirety. I think you can let this one go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I really hope nobody bought this movie specifically for the Daikaiju discussion. <laughs> yeah. If you did, yeah. you should sell it for a million dollars. Because it is, <laughs> it's one of those movies that's, like, out of print and stuff. Yeah. So right. people want to sell it for $40 when, honestly, I would say this is maybe a $10 yeah. Worthwhile, worth yeah. your time. If yeah. you if you have the extra ten dollars, if you only have forty five dollars to your name, don't buy this movie. Don't buy this movie. Get <laughs> yeah. food. Yeah. Anyway, we did get some listener submissions in, so I'm going to go ahead and read the first of those, which is Stefan, who says this was his first viewing of Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds in Germany. It's called Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein's Monster Birds? <laughs> yes. No, uh, it's called Giants of Prehistoric Times, and I'm not going to try and read that in German because it just don't do well when I'm trying to read it on my own. Hockenfein Monster Bird. It's uh, like go. Giganten yep. der Vorziet. Vorziet? Anyway. Vorziet. He accidentally bought the version with 12 minutes missing. Both versions are available without problems in Germany. He also says that you take three parts Jaws, one part Rodan, and finish with a dash of Sharktopus versus Terracuda. <laughs> I've never even heard that one. That's nice. awesome. Uh, it started with the discovering of the eggs similar to Rodan, but with a panty shot added. Then we're pretty much <laughs> in Jaws country. Then 15 minutes before the end, a Ramphorkinus. Hopefully I did not say that wrong or too wrong. Yeah. Ramphornicus. I think that's kind of how it sounded in the uh, Ramphornicus? Anyway, no suddenly appears and attacks the plesiosaur. Well, not that suddenly. Some random guy theorized that if there are dinosaurs, there could be more monster birds, too. Hasn't anyone else read the English title? <laughs> <laughs> it does clue you in. I wonder if that's yeah. actually why they took out monster birds from the mm. U.S. title. Anyway, but why do they fight? Well, the movie's got kaiju DNA in it. So, let them fight. And we started with a scene similar to Rodan, so we end with one, and the monsters are killed by lava, like we were talking about. It's got a yeah. very Showa-esque ending. Totally. Stefan expected a rather bad kaiju movie and was surprised to find a legitimate horror film. And talking about surprises, random shower scene, <laughs> another horror movie trope, check. <laughs> <laughs> Adam says, Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds is, first and foremost, incredibly derivative of Jaws. Not only does it borrow ideas from that film, but exact shots and scenes are recreated here. What they should have borrowed from Jaws, however, was the pacing. Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds is plodding and dull with lots of talk and very little excitement. Aside from a few action sequences, most of the monster fun is reserved for the film's final 15 minutes. And speaking of the monsters, the plesiosaur and the pterosaur models are stiff and unimpressive, especially for 1977 when various technical advancements were readily available to the filmmakers. Instead, the monster sequences came across like they were filmed 20 years earlier, at least. The final climactic battle between our two antagonists is unintentionally hilarious. To call this sequence clumsy is an understatement. The jazz, pop, and country music found on the soundtrack entrenched this film squarely in the 70s, but whether that is a positive or negative depends entirely on the viewer. One of the film's few bright spots is the artistic, assured cinematography. Unique angles and lighting conditions are employed to help elevate the film above its exploitative origins. 
Yeah, I guess I would agree with that about the uh, the camera angles. Some of them mm-hmm. were really good. Some of them were very yeah. weird. Like, remember when he, uh, the hero had his knife and it was sort yeah. of like, it almost looked like there was a tube in front of his face. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah, I was, was like, what is you that? You not see and that I it was a knife. That, yeah. That's a, sort of a bad, good example of what we're talking about. But mm-hmm. I loved the shot where the plesiosaur fell down, even though that was a yeah, stiff yeah. puppet that didn't look good. Oh, yeah. I was really... Mm-hmm actually wondering as we were watching that like how did they do that shot did they actually build a giant thing or that was a tiny little puppet or what mm-hmm. so and when we watched I would agree it, with you, that you pointed out the scene where she's in the m- mouth of the monster and you can see the raft beneath her like, oh they yeah, took, yeah yeah they that took time cool. to, to like you know frame that shot out yeah there were some definitely some cool shots yeah. actually <laughs> in terms of like my photography skills which i for the listeners i am not a photographer but because i have been trained in some artistic skills. I like to set up a shot like with good composition. Mm-hmm. So I was enjoying some of the compositions here in this mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Moving on. This was Mike Keller's second time watching legend of dinosaurs and monster birds. And he is sorry for whatever he did to offend Kyle so much <laughs> that he saw fit to subject him to the one, two punch of reptilian. And then this movie, <laughs> the only two kaiju fare so bad that why Mike would never willingly subject himself to them again without an impetus, such as the Daikaiju discussions. Actually, now that Mike thinks about it, he's pretty sure that it was deliberate on Kyle's part as Reptilian is the only thing that could possibly make Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds look good. He also says, let's start with the obvious, the title. There are no dinosaurs in this movie. For that matter, no Monster Birds either. Although, if there had been, then there would be dinosaurs by default, and that's what birds really are. What we do have are two prehistoric reptiles, a plesiosaur, which Mike thinks someone may have misspelled in English on a chalkboard at one point in the movie, <laughs> but the quality of the version he saw online isn't crisp enough to tell, and a rampharynchus, which is simply referred to as a pterodactyl in the film. The plesiosaur appears for some nondescript pseudoscience climate change reason. That's not to say that climate change is pseudoscience, but suggesting that it will manifest prehistoric animals is. The Rampharynchus appears because some yokel in a cowboy hat finds a Charles R. Knight <laughs> painting in one of his books and states, hey, if a plesiosaur appears, maybe this will too. I did. I was actually really confused about that in the movie, yeah. uh, which is the equivalent to Mike saying, hey, if I found a roach in my bathtub, maybe Jenna Coleman will appear in there too. <laughs> actually, get Toei on the phone. Mike wants them to make that movie right away. This movie was apparently a huge financial undertaking for Toei, purported to be the most expensive Japanese film until that time. Judging from the results, it must have all been spent on catering for the crew. The film has been described as a Jaws ripoff, but it reminds Mike less of Jaws than it does of the other 70s Jaws ripoffs themselves, such as Barracuda, Tentacles, Orca, etc., Animals Gone Wild films minus Spielberg always seems to feel the same. The animals in this film have no interest other than violence both against humans and each other. In fact, the pleosaur is an extremely sloppy eater. As big, <laughs> as big as it is, it can't seem to eat anything whole. It just takes chunks out of its victims for no other reason than to freak the people out who find the remains of what's left. The movie causes Mike to ask a lot of questions. He wants to know why everyone is doing underwater photography and water murkier than Ralph May's large intestine. He also wants to know why the appearance of a living dinosaur would send everyone into a panic. So much for Jurassic Park's business model. Why is everyone opposed to the idea of Ashizawa making money? These damn commies got a problem with capitalism? 
<laughs> why is I've noticed a lot of people were trying to make money. The the teenagers, yeah. the students earlier in the film too. Uh, why is Hermit Dude so hung up on the idea of giant snakes? Overcompensating for something? Mike especially likes it when he pulls out a two-foot egg and states, I thought this was a snake egg. Maybe if you think you're the size of a hamster. Okay. That joke fell right in place on Rachel. Mike says that the film is so obviously a product of the 1970s, right down to the soundtrack, which, depending on the cut, sounds, (laughs) sounds like something from Saturday Night Fever, Bad Albert, or Behind the Green Door. And you know you're not watching anything post-1985 when the hero slaps his lady around before getting all Barry White on her. Did he get all Barry White on her? Uh, I feel like he slapped her around, and then that was the end of the. That was close to the end of the scene. I, I think he took. I think he had his shirt off, and then yeah. Didn't they hug or something? Yeah, Maybe. he had his shirt. It was off. pretty limited. It's pretty limited. You know what? This mystery needs a resolution. Let's go watch it again. All right, <laughs> right now. Mike also has to call out the ending. What exactly are we supposed to assume happened here? Are we supposed to think that the heroes survived even though we left them dangling over a hundred foot plus drop and everything in the viewable vicinity was reduced to molten lava? <laughs> was reduced to a molten river? Yeah. Mike guesses that's about as close as we're going to get to a happy ending in this thing. Spoilers. The happy ending is that they were able to clasp hands finally. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like this final moment of, yes. we're going to make it. And then the world explodes. Yeah. By the way, Mike noticed that Benjamin Franklin's Wikipedia page doesn't mention anything about him reviving a million-year-old toad with electricity. Not until now. <laughs> well, Mike tried to add it himself, but his account doesn't seem to be working anymore for some reason. <laughs> Somebody please get on there and change it. Brian bought Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds with no little excitement when it was released on DVD. A previously unavailable giant monster movie with real prehistoric creatures. That excitement turned out to be not entirely unfounded, but considerably more than what the movie deserved. Watching it again for the homework, Brian thought, maybe he'd be able to come up with some interesting insights that would require there to be some interesting things in the movie, unless you count reading a pedantic list of corrections to the science to be interesting. Don't get him wrong, Brian doesn't dislike the movie. It certainly has a goofy, lopsided charm about it. The completely idiotic science, if it's a dinosaur, then we'll certainly experience Category 5 Earthquake, one of the worst and most inappropriate soundtracks in monster movie history, some surprising moments of gore, and the most leisurely death scene Brian has ever seen. Was the plesiosaur trying to bore Junko to death? The movie's biggest problem is that it goes on too long and is terribly paced. The stretches between bits of lunacy or monster action need to be much, much shorter. Cut it down to a brisk 75 or 80 minutes and would hold up to a lot better repeated viewings. Of course, we're all here for the monsters, and in that department, the movie delivers. Yes, the plesiosaur has weird badger claws and big old smoochin' lips. <laughs> and the Rampharynchus is about a hundred times bigger than it should be and has stumpy little wings, but sometimes odd stylized creatures are just as good as the real thing. No one goes into a movie like this expecting it to look like Jurassic Park. Brian really digs the effects work in this film, and at the end of the day, he can forgive a lot of the stupid crap for the neat creatures. Plus, Junko's puppy was super adorable. Yes. And it almost got as much screen time as some of the monsters. True. 
Michael Deke honestly has nothing much to say about The Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds, for it is a very sleazy tokusatsu movie. The title is very misleading because the movie features a plesiosaur and a pterosaur called a rampharynchus, which are neither dinosaurs nor birds, and both are coincidentally one in the same class of animals. The effects that bring them to life are very poorly done, and the funky music does not match the tone of the film at all. It's very cringeworthy. Michael's kind of disappointed that a studio as prestigious as Toei was behind such a terrible movie, since they've made such awesome TV shows in the 70s, like the original 1971 Kamen Rider series, as well as the four sequel series that were made at that time, Kamen Rider V3, X, Amazon, and Stronger, as well as the first two... as well as the first two Super Sentai shows, Himitsu Sentai Goranger and Jaku. Nice. Speaking of Sentai, clips from Legend of the Dinosaurs and Monster Birds somehow wound up as stock footage in an episode of Dai Sentai Goggle 5. Other than its cameo in a future Sentai series, there's nothing memorable about this movie, which is why he's giving it 0.5 out of 5 stars. Oof. Snap. Mm. Anyway, uh, well, there you have it. Those are our Daikaiju discussion submissions for Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds. The last thing I wanted to say about this film is that last year when I was in Kyoto with my friend Dell, we were at the Toei Studio Movie Park. We were walking around in the park. The lady saw my Godzilla shirt or my Godzilla button, I think, on my bag. And she was like, oh, Kaiju. And she pointed And I went over to this one section and they had like a little pond. And after a minute, the pond starts bubbling and then a kaiju comes out of it. (laughs) And what I'm guessing is that it was supposed to be the dinosaur, the plesiosaur from this movie. It was absolutely not the same design (laughs) at all. In fact, what after the fact, right? So I'm sitting here like putting the show notes together and I thought, oh, maybe I'll find the photo of that and maybe it will be the same. No. No, <laughs> it's basically like they took a uh, dinosaur puppet, yeah, or a small dinosaur statue. <laughs> it's like that's what comes out of the, out of the water. <laughs> it's a little silly, but regardless, you know, I I enjoyed watching this movie because I was here with you guys. It's definitely mm-hmm. not something that I would suggest to anybody else. Uh, thanks to everybody who's from sending in their homework and stuff. Are you interested in what the next month's movie is? Yes, I think you guys probably already know this. Yeah, next month's film will be. Shin Godzilla, because it comes out October 11th here in the States, and a whole bunch of us are going to go see it in the Portland. So you have quite some time to get your discussion homework in. We're going to require you to turn it in by October 24th to be included in the discussion. Now, as we said for the American Godzilla, and I wish I had said for Pacific Rim, keep your thoughts brief. This is a movie that... Everyone in America, not everyone, but I mean, so many Kaiju fans are going to be able to go see. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it, but uh, let's not exhaust myself or my co-hosts here. So let's, you know, keep it short. That would be appreciated from all these guys, I'm sure. Like I said, you have until October 24th to get that homework turned in. And I am looking forward to see what you guys think and what everybody out there thinks about the brand new Godzilla movie from Toho. Uh, which is a great point for us to segue to the news. This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. This is a really big scoop. 
This is really big news. Or whatever. Super big. Super big news. Super big news. (laughs) Actually, we don't have a lot of super big news. We just have a couple things that I wanted to share. Number one, if you're interested in seeing Shin Godzilla in America, or in the, I should say North America, and you haven't been exposed to anything, be very careful out there. There's so, I've like almost accidentally seen, I haven't read them, but like, headlines for articles and reviews Mm -hmm. that are coming out and talking about the movie. If you just want to ignore it all, do yourself a favor, develop that third eyelid to just close real fast whenever you see any mention of Shin Godzilla. But there's one thing that I wanted to talk about. Anime News Network has a story where they went to a special screening of Shin Godzilla in Japan and Hideaki Anno was there. And I'm just going to read this from the article. It says, At a screening of the Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi's Shin Godzilla film at Toho Cinema's Shinjuku Theater on Thursday, director Anno and the actors of the film discussed the prospects of a sequel. When asked by an audience member if there would be a sequel, Anno replied, It's not for me to decide, asked Toho. When the question was asked again, this time to the actors, Hiroko Hasegawa stated, I'd want to do a sequel. I went to see the movie two times. Watching it with the audience was the only time I felt that the movie was really done. There was such a sense of unity that I didn't feel that it was me acting on the screen, and that was really fun. Similarly, Satoru Matsuo replied that she'd want to do a sequel as well. Issei Takahashi also replied that he hopes that they would let him participate in a sequel as well. In response to all of this, Hideaki Anno said, As for me, I'm good. So he would not return for a sequel. <laughs> One has to wonder if that just means Toho really is difficult to work with when you're a director. <laughs> I know that they didn't really have a lot of money to work with for the film, yeah. but uh, I think it's fantastic that it's getting such, it is really getting good reviews and breaking lots and lots of, I don't want to say box office records, but it's doing fantastic in Japan. I mean, it's still in the top 10 if not the top five, and it's been out for almost two months. Holy crap. By the time this episode airs, it will have pretty much been out for two months. Hmm. Nice. Anyway, so be careful out there if you're looking for stuff to read without spoiling things for you. This article, I can tell you, won't spoil anything for you. So there will be a link in the show notes to this. Uh, Also, Pacific Rim 2. There has been some news about that. You know, there was for a while I thought, yeah, you know, if it happens, it happens. But things are actually, you know, continuing, motion is occurring, and I'm happy to report that there are cast confirmations that have been uh, hitting the internet, including John Boyega. Do you know who that guy is, right? Mm-hmm. John yep. Boyega of... Actually, have you seen Star Wars yet? Yes, I did. Okay. We don't need to talk about it. He was in Attack the Block. He was. I was going to say that, too. I love Attack really the Block. I love, love, love Attack the Block. Anyway, uh, John Boyega, Jing Tian, who is Chinese... Scott Eastwood, Kaylee Spini, and Levi Meadan are all confirmed as cast members for, I think it's called Pacific Rim Maelstrom. And apparently they're going to start filming in Australia in November. And I'll have a link in the show notes to a Cinema Blend article so you can see all that information yourself. That's pretty much it for the news. Now let's move on to the catastrophic events. You know, we're going to actually start things off with something happening October 1st in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Bay Area Film Events is putting on Long Live the King, which is a King Kong documentary, I believe. 
and they're showing it in conjunction with the 1933 King Kong in San Leandro, California. Awesome. They have uh, some special guests who are going to be in attendance, which include my friend Frank Woodward, who directed Men in Suits. Nice. And also uh, a man who I wish was my friend, Dana Gould, will be there. Yeah. Excellent. Also Brian Howe and Trish Geiger and Frank Ditz. Sweet. They'll all be in attendance. So I'll have a link in the catastrophic events section to a ticket purchasing site where you can buy your own tickets for that event. If you're in the Bay Area, definitely check it out, especially because King Kong is rad. Additionally, as we mentioned, there are screenings everywhere in the country for Shin Godzilla. If you don't know if Shin Godzilla is screening in your city or in your state or wherever, uh, you can go to the Funimation's website and they have a theater searcher. So you can actually find out if it's coming to a theater near you. But here in Portland on October 11th, we are going to the Century 16 Eastport Plaza on Southeast 82nd Avenue. We are going to be at the 730 screening. I honestly do not know if tickets are still available to this. This is not a specific kaiju cast only thing. It's just a general thing where anybody can go see it, and hopefully you'll come see it with us. And if for some reason you can't go to the October 11th screening on October 12th at the Hollywood Theater, which is an awesome like historic theater in Portland off of 42nd and Sandy, they are going to be showing their first screening on October 12th, and I am actually going to do a little introduction for that movie. I'm very excited to share information, so... Definitely check out the links in the show notes and the catastrophic events section to these events and come out and see us. Actually, if you're coming to either of those events or both, if you're, you know, super awesome, I totally want to take the Shin Godzilla pose photo with everybody. So (laughs) fingers crossed that we can get that going. And then there is another event happening at the end of October, the 28th, 29th and 30th of October. Alien Con is happening in Santa Clara, California. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I was originally planning on going. Now things are a little bit up in the air due to financial issues with myself. But they have uh, a really great lineup of Godzilla actors. They've got Haruo Nakajima, Kenpachiro Satsuma, and Tsutomo Kitagawa. They're all going to be there. And if you know, you're not familiar with those names, that's the Godzilla suit actor from 1954 to 1972 the suit actor from 1984 to 1995, and then the suit actor from 1999 to 2004, with the exception of 2001, all appearing at the same convention. Not to mention that, they're also doing a Grilling with Godzilla's event where you can go to dinner with the Godzilla actors. I'll have a link in the show notes to all of that stuff for AlienCon. And if you're in the area, make sure you check it out because it is going to be an amazing convention. I think that's going to do it. Brian and Rachel, thank you guys so much for coming out tonight. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, if you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure you point your web browser to KaijuCast.com where you can see everything that we're about. Seriously, every single episode we've produced is up there. The Daikaiju discussion schedule, which has changed a little bit, especially because of Shin Godzilla, and will continue to evolve as things like Kong on Skull Island and Pacific Rim 2 come out. We'll see how that goes. But uh, the discussion schedule's up there. Also links to all of our social media sites, our friends' websites like Sci-Fi Japan, The Good, The Bad, The Godzilla. All that stuff is all on the right-hand side of kaijucast.com. Anyway, I'm going to close out the show with one final track. And I thought I, it's been a while since I've played a Daikaiju song. So we will see you in October for another fantastic episode. It's going to be super, you guys. Jamata. Jamata.